0: Let us give attention to God's word. First Peter 1, starting at verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading. Kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, You also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written... not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. And that ends the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Well, what we want to be moving toward in this sermon is developing something of a, a foundation for the issue of, of holiness, of the practice of godliness, of sanctification. It goes by those terms and many more. Um, and are you obviously, I'm sure for many of you, this was not an unfamiliar text. You, it's quite clear. Particularly in verses 13 and following, the practical application that Peter brings home to those uh, to whom he writes. Tonight, I want to answer three questions that help us get to kind of a basis for what we will consider in weeks to come. And those three questions are these So, what does holiness or sanctification mean? A second one, and it really is an important one. Can I hope for holiness? Can I hope? And when we were using this term, we we're talking about practical holiness in this world. Can I hope for that? And then, really, um, and following Ferguson and this text, really, we're going to build a, you might say, six blocks for a foundation of holiness. Uh, so, let's begin. So what does holiness or sanctification mean? Um, most of us probably go fairly quickly to the concept of separation. And there's a there's a truth to that. Because for example, in the Old Testament you would have utensils and pots and urns and different things, and they would be declared holy and people would people would in describing that, would say, well, they are separate from normal use, and they will be solely used for the use in the tabernacle or in the temple. But uh, separation is not exactly the best word to talk about God's holiness here, and and I admit this. Comes through Ferguson, but I think he's got an interesting point, and it moves us in a good direction because a lot of times holiness and sanctification doesn't hit us well. We we really kind of squirm and and uh, and and, and uh, struggle with this, and I think what he describes here helped me, and I hope it will you, because he asked the question: Is separation? kind of the deepest, the best understanding of the word holiness. Because God and God alone is from eternity. He has always been holy. There came a point at which there was the creation of angels and the creation of the world. But if God from all eternity existed, and he does and he's been holy all that time, what was there to be separate from? Now that may sound like a difficult argument, but, but I think he's got a point. So is there something else that might even be uh, a term, a description of holiness that drives more to the root of this? And I think there is. And it's the concept of devotion. Think about the Trinity. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Forever. They are forever holy. What did that mean? Well, they certainly, it didn't mean some type of separation from one another. But it surely did mean that they were devoted to one another in love. Holiness really becomes a way of describing intense love, the intensity of love that flows within the very being of God. Think about, for example, what our Lord said in John chapter 8, verse 29. He says there, and picture you trying to say this, Picture really anybody trying to say this. And he said it publicly to to opponents. He said this, he who sent me, which is the father, he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. My guess is you don't make that confession about yourself, and I assure you I do not. But there is this statement of love and devotion. Do you hear the, the devotedness of the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, to his Father? And so if that really, I'm not saying separation is wrong. Certainly since the creation, since sin, since all of those things, yes, we're going to get into that. But I'm saying I agree. I think we're looking, when we talk about will I uh, desire to live a holy life, I think another way to say that is will I devote lovingly my life, all that I am, all that I have, to the Lord God himself. Because that's what if, that's, if devotion is what holiness means in God, then, of course, correspondingly, it would mean a deep and personal devotion to God from his people. It means being entirely his so that all that we do and all that we possess are his. To be holy, to be sanctified, to be a saint in simple terms is to be devoted to God. And I think that that was helpful for me. And I hope it is for you. So that's what we'll be talking about here. What is holiness? I think a way to describe it is is in this positive way to devote ourselves to the living God. Now, a second question that's here can I hope for holiness? Another author that I've been reading is Kevin DeYoung, and he goes through eight different reasons why, in contemporary society, holiness is really just kind of poo-pooed and put aside. and And one of the reasons he gives is that uh, a lot of Christians have simply kind of given up. They're they're just kind of tired of the whole, in their mind and maybe in their practice, is something of a a uh, committing of sin, a confession of sin, a finding forgiveness, and and just this kind of endless cycle. And it seems wearisome to them. Can I hope, when I say, can I hope for holiness, can there be progress? Is real progress possible? And of course, uh, the answer, the scriptures and the answer, I hope that you can say in your own life is yes. One of the ways we used to describe this back in North Carolina, the senior pastor and I, as we preached, he said, we ought to be able to look at our lives and say, after some time with the Lord, walking with the Lord, that we're not as successful being sinners as we used to be. We never said we were perfect, but there ought to be an ability to look at your life and say, yeah, yeah I'm, not a, I'm not as successful a sinner as I used to be. There really has been change change in attitudes and change in uh, actions and change in um, relationships and such as that. Matter of fact, can there be change? Is there hope? Do you remember what we read just minutes ago? It was from the book of Peter, First Peter. We find it easy to identify with Simon Peter, uh, somebody who starts the Christian life, you know, and there you might think that we start, and maybe we did start with great hopes, but we find, and we do, we all find this stubborn, resistant uh, part of our being that uh, that resist holiness and the struggle and the fight with that. The apostle Peter can teach us, though, that the person that is devoted to God can make progress. Think about where he was the night. Of our Lord's trial and the threefold denial. And even later, there are some issues when Paul has to speak to him and, to mild a term, rebuke him for his pulling away from the Gentiles. And yet, look at this God, the Holy Spirit, said, Hmm, we need a letter to Christians in a certain region. We will. We will use the Apostle Peter for that. This growth, this possibility of change. I think he's an example of that. And he answers for us, and this becomes something of a bit of review of union with Christ. But if you're looking, I hope you have your Bibles open to 1 Peter chapter 1, because in these opening verses, in verses 1 through 4, Peter answers, Four questions that remind us of our union with Christ. He tells us whose we are, to whom we belong. He says we are, he's writing to those who are elect exiles in verse, uh, uh, excuse me, yes, verse 1. In verse 1, to elect exiles according to, verse 2, the foreknowledge of God. God has chosen us out of love. And so to whom do we belong? We belong to the living God. And then you can see how that leads into, therefore, devotion to him. So who am I? Well, he says, he brings in the work of the Spirit of God in verse 2. By the sanctification, that's really a holiness term. The sanctification of the spirit. He has come and he's broken the bondage of sin. Taken us from the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God's dear son. Into the kingdom of light. We have been set apart by the Holy Spirit. So who am I? I'm someone sanctified by the spirit of God. What am I here for? This question of purpose. We covered that. That we might be to use my language, devoted to Christ. Did you pick up on that? For obedience, verse 2, for obedience to Jesus Christ. That's interesting that that is listed first and then followed by the sprinkling of his blood, which we Um, associate with forgiveness rightly so I think we would have probably reversed that well I need forgiveness for these things and then I'll try to live and it's interesting Peter writes first what is my purpose obedience to Jesus Christ and then finally where what is my future well my future is in verse four what a tremendous statement born again to a living hope A hope, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven. So who am I? Whose am I? What am I here for? Where am I going? Peter has already he's he is telling us those things that we have covered. That's his way of speaking about who we are in Christ. And it lays the possibility with a firm answer of yes. We can hope for holiness and strive for holiness. In fact, so much so that the scripture really speaks about the necessity of holiness. uh, Our confessional documents never draw a pure separation between justification and sanctification. No one is ever justified without being sanctified. There is no possibility of sanctification without first being justified. They stay together and there's a classic verse in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. John Calvin, writing about these things, uh, said this. He said that justification and sanctification cannot be separated because they belong together because Christ was given to us. For both, to separate them would be to rend him asunder. And so, yes, the answer to the question. Now, let's go to the third, and then what we're going to create Uh, I probably should have done it. I probably should have brought about six blocks of something up here and we could have built a foundation and let it been visual. But six building blocks that show how totally your salvation moves toward your sanctification, your development of holiness, your growth in devotion to God. And the first block that we would lay is that our sanctification, our growth in holiness, is the purpose of God the Trinity. We've covered this somewhat in these opening verses, 1 Peter 1, verses 1 through 2. Uh, We mentioned already the election according to God the Father, the sanctification of The Spirit, His entry into our lives, regenerating us, empowering us, giving us ability to change and follow the Lord, the obedience of Jesus Christ. And so, what we want to understand is since the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they always work in harmony together. There is never a disunity among the Trinity. And so, What we read tonight says that God the Trinity has devoted himself to bringing into your life holiness. Bringing you into a devotion to him. Which is another way, by the way, of saying that. Isn't that the answer to the first shorter catechism question? What is man's chief end? Man's chief end is to glorify God. And also to enjoy Him forever. And there's an important application to this, you see. If the only God there is, the only God uh, possible to know, if that is His priority for my life, then the obvious question is it my priority? for my life because if i've got other things that i'm putting before that my life will be a constant tension between what god is trying to do and he will succeed and what i'm thinking is that which is most important god is for us God is with us, God is behind us, he is over us, he's by our side, he is on our side. Whatever opposition there may be from the world, the flesh, and the devil, God the Trinity is determined to pour his energy into making you and making me like his son, Jesus Christ. That's the first thing to seize on as we build a foundation for our Christian lives in this world. The second one, as we read, is that this God, of course, gives specific commandment uh, towards holiness. We see that in verses 15 and 16. We read that there. Uh, If we call upon him who is holy, be holy in all your conduct, since it is written... You shall be holy, for I am holy, uh, says the Lord. And so the Lord is basically coming to us, and he's saying, be like me. Be like me. And we find, of course, we we know we find that when that is more and more true, that we find ourselves entering more and more into true life. Holiness. Holiness. And love do not exist apart from one another. They have a wonderful relationship together. S- sanctification or holiness is growing into a holy love, a love growing into holiness, a love. in, a, in other words, there is a link you see, with the, the idea of devotion being related to intense love. You see this link, don't you, between the first great commandment and the second then? Love it, it becomes obvious. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What is that but devotion to God? And the one who does that will grow in holiness in God-likeness before him and also, of course, toward his neighbor. We do not want to make the mistake of thinking that a holy life is going to come with a certain ease because it will make us different in a world, right? A world that is under the influence of the evil one. A world that hates holiness, hates God. Those in rebellion against God cannot help but be in rebellion against his people. But the choice before us, the application here, is who, who will we follow? Who are we going to follow in our lives? the world system is going to constantly call us to be like them follow us we want you we would love for you to join us and have our priorities and our values etc but god the father here says i am holy you are to be holy too if you are my child The third foundation block that we would lay is Peter tells us that our holiness came at an enormous cost. It is interesting how he moves from holiness here in 1 Peter 1, verses 17. If you call on him as father, conduct yourselves with fear. Why? Why? Knowing, verse 18, it says... You were ransomed from these futile ways. You had a life as a non-believer. You had a life in this sinful world. That was a futile life. It was a vain life. It was was a sinful life. It was practiced perhaps by generations of your family. But you've been redeemed and ransomed from that. And then it's astounding language to me. Not with perishable things. Such as silver or gold. I think I've used that illustration with you before. I wear a gold wedding band. I've worn it for over 35 years. It was my father's before that. It doesn't appear to be wearing out. Uh, And so what in the world? Peter is taking these precious metals that seemed to last and last and last. And he says essentially things like that are rubbish. In comparison for what it took for God to bring you into his family. The costliness of our salvation spelled out. And I hope, I hope you saw that or, or I hope you realized that afresh as we sang that old hymn. When I surveyed. The cross. And that ending verse, when I survey the cross, all, all I am, all I have, I give back to you. The cost is astounding. So what do we learn from that? Don't we learn this? Because I'm trying to apply all of these blocks to you. If we are to be holy in a difficult world, a sinful world, a world in rebellion against God, this truth, this building block, reminds us that Jesus is worth living for even if we are exiled from the world. Jesus is worth living in exile for. He is worth living the life of holy love. If such a Savior... Suffer, suffered such a death in order to make me holy, how, el, how else should I respond but to give myself back to him entirely? Foundation block number four then. All right, so we've said that God the Trinity completely united in pursuing my holiness. The command to be holy. The enormous cost That I might be holy. Sanctification is the fruit, fourthly, of the Holy Spirit's ministry. We saw that in verse 2, sanctification by the Spirit. Both Peter and John, in their letters, also speak about the Spirit's work, sometimes using the language of regeneration. Peter will write in 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 that God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he granted to us precious and great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Both of these uh, authors, and really, of course, Paul, really the scriptures, speak about the fact of what the Spirit is doing in a believer's life. And I've, I think it is so obvious, what do, we, what do we call this person of the Trinity? We call him the Holy Spirit, what in the world are we really expecting him to do if not seek to create holiness in our lives? And holiness, and it begins to give us a sense of what holiness looks like, doesn't it? Holiness begins to look like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self, etc. And we'll, we'll look at some of those things in the future. The fifth building block, then, we, we, this is one that's not particularly desirable for us, but Peter certainly mentions it. The fifth building block is our sanctification is still the purpose of God, even in our trials. Even in our trials. Because Peter mentioned in verses 6 and 7, he said, You rejoice. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Lord, why are you doing this to me? Verse 7, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, there it is again. Though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I hope these building blocks are helping us find a place to stand as we interpret what the situations are in our lives. The book of Hebrews has been near and dear to Cecilia and many of the women uh, as they've studied that in these last months. And there's an application that comes from this truth. We could say this. If God's own son, our Savior, had his obedience developed through suffering, which is precisely what the author of Hebrews says, should we be surprised if God continues to use the same method with us? And so there's a fifth one. And then finally, the sixth building block, laying them out there for a foundation to stand upon and, and sense how all of this is working for you to respond positively in devotion to God. The last one, our sanctification is intimately related to how we view the future. In other words, back to this purpose, uh, excuse me, this future goal. Where are we going? Where are we going? Well, We're going to this imperishable, undefiled, unfading inheritance that is kept in heaven by God. And so we obviously ask the question, well, what kind of place is heaven? Well, we could say, is not heaven a place of devoted love? And the bottom line application here if we do not desire heaven as a world of holiness and freedom from the presence of sin, a world of delight in Jesus Christ, if we're not delighting in heaven here and now, what possesses us to think that we'll enjoy it or we'll enjoy him then? Do you see, as we come to a conclusion, it's almost like this great big tidal wave just coming to to crash upon the shore not in a damaging way but just this this completely unified movement of all that god is as trinity of his commands of uh, of His son who died to effect it, of his holy Spirit whom he gives to every child, of the trials and providences of our lives, of the very eternal dwelling place he's, he's prepared for us, everything about that says holiness is important to me. Holiness is to be pursued. And we'll get into more of the specifics there. But I think we respond tonight, hopefully, with a certain sense of awe, A W E, awe and reverence at the life we have in Christ. That's what Paul says in Philippians 2, verses 12 through 13. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work. Out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is god who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure and certainly there is praise that's how peter started verse three blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ he has given me life salvation And that life and salvation finds its expression in devotion to him, which is a holy life. Let's go to him in prayer.